0: So grateful that you joined us today, and we believe throughout the rest of the service and throughout the rest of our time together, we I believe that the healing power of God is working in your home, working your cars. I believe the peace of God is flowing right where you are today, and I believe as you hear the Word today, you will never be the same. You will never be the same, hallelujah! Because His Word is enough. What Jesus did at the Cal, what Jesus did at Calvary is enough for you. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. What a great day to be alive. What a great day to celebrate the goodness of God. What a great day to know that the best is yet to come. Shake off discouragement. Shake it off. It doesn't belong in your life. It doesn't belong controlling you in any way. You are a child of the most high God. If we could just get a complete, total revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus, you will not live defeated in another day in your life. Think about it. If you, really, if you realize that you were a child of God and you realized That you are a son and daughter of God, you would never live another day of defeat in your life. And to me, that's what the that's what the message of the cross is all about. It's a and it's and it's why we celebrate this every year. It's a reminder. It's a celebration. It's a revelation. It's an understanding that I get to be victorious. That I am above and not beneath. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. The curse cannot hold me. The curse was broken. So don't keep meditating on the curse in your life. Don't keep rehearsing the curses that are in your life. Don't keep rehearsing past failures, past defeats. Don't keep going over your mind on how bad you are or what you've done wrong or or what this person has done to you or how you were treated or how you were raised. Meditate on the victory. Meditate on the finished work. Meditate. Don't meditate on the report of the doctor. Meditate. what is the report of the Lord? The report of the Lord is that Jesus went to the very throne room of God and settled it once and for all for all humanity. Hallelujah. You are victorious today. I have joy today because of a completed work. I have joy today because the grave is empty and Satan is defeated. How about you? How about you? Thank you, Father. Man, if you could just think about that and meditate on that and allow that to, to until a, a wellspring of joy rises up on the inside of you. That wellspring of joy. I just think of the, the, the woman at the well when Jesus said that there is water and this water is a wellspring of life flowing up into eternal life. She's like, give me this water. Give me this water. I don't know about you, but but we need this water every day. We need this water every day. Stop rehearsing. What might be going on in the present or what happened Yesterday rehearse the finished victory. Amen. Amen. I'm excited to to deliver a resurrection message to you today. I believe this message is going to empower you and strengthen you, not just solidify what you might already know, but it's going to empower you in the season that we're living in. And I believe all, you say, yeah, this, this, it, these are hard times out there. Yeah, these are difficult things. But remember, back when this all first started, and so there's something that you heard me say about Jesus. It's, I said this, that Jesus never denied sickness, disease, or lack, but he never glorified it either. Right. Amen. We glorify our Father which is in heaven. We glorify what's been done. Amen. It was a few weeks ago, and and I love that song that that, that Cassie wrote. And, you know, uh, that song was birthed out of, uh, of just really what the Lord placed in my heart for this day just a, a couple months ago. And uh, what the Lord put in my heart, and he, he said on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, I want you to, and he just gave me this one word, and he said this word, driven. Driven. So I, I just, re, you know, released that to our team and, and, and it was, we were, I believe we were on our way to, on spring break and Cassie sent me a text and she said, just the Lord gave me a song called Driven. And I believe it's such a powerful song. And just even some of the words in that song that no sickness, no pain could ever keep me down. I love that. I love that. Nothing is going to hold me back from the purpose that God has for me. The enemy is not going to hold me back. The enemy is not going to hold me back. You realize that the enemy is already defeated? Yes. When I understood that, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm facing this right now. I'm going through this right now. My mind is dealing with this right now. I have this sickness right now. I'm having these thoughts or these temptations right now. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm I'm a winner. I'm victorious. But this word driven, and, and I just kept meditating on the word driven. And, and I went to the, dec- the, the dictionary and, and started meditating on, on, on the different aspects of this definition. And Webster's 1828 says this about the word driven it says, urged forward by force, it means compelled to move. It also means to be constrained. By necessity. Talking about driven this morning. Being urged on by force. Being compelled to move. Being constrained by necessity. And there's another definition, and this is what I want to deal with. And it's this relentlessly compelled by the need to accomplish a goal. Let me say that again. Driven relentlessly compelled by the need to accomplish a goal, a goal relentlessly. I mean, what is relentless? It's not giving up, meaning it's never, it's never stopping. It's never, it's never giving up, meaning it's relentless. I'm so grateful for a mom's relentless love. I'm so grateful for a mom's relentless prayers, a mom and dad's relentless prayers. I'm so grateful for people like Dr. Savell and Ms. Carolyn that were relentless in their, in the call on their lives. Relentless. That's what driven is. It's relentlessly compelled. What is compelled? Compelled is, is, is I can't, I've got to do this. It's not a being compelled to do something is not, you know, so, so, or, you know, I could do this being compelled is I've got to do this. I've, I've got I've got to do this. There's no, no other way about it. Relentlessly compelled by the need to accomplish a goal. And I think about this as it pertains to what we want to deal with today. Think about driven, relentlessly compelled by the need to accomplish a goal. When I think of this, I I first thought of God. God's heart to had to create something to create mankind to be able to fellowship with that that god was driven to to create something establish establish a a being to establish humanity that would worship him in spirit and truth not not worship him worship him because they had to but Worship them because their heart and their compassion and their desire was to worship him. When I think about driven, relentlessly compelled by the need to accomplish a goal. I think of humanity and humanity. They had this. On the inside of them, that they were already in the image of God. Relentlessly compelled. You see, every single one of us are driven by something. Every, all of humanity is driven by something. Relentlessly compelled for the need to accomplish a goal. Now, being driven doesn't mean you're busy, you can be driven to be lazy. You can be driven to take a nap. You can be driven to go eat. You can be driven. So, so being driven just doesn't mean you're busy. Being driven meaning that you're compelling to reach a goal. And at one time, Adam and Eve, they had this this drive on the inside of them that they want to wanted to fellowship with God, that they would walk with God in the cool of the day, that that they would they would seek after God. But but all of a sudden at at one point in one season and we don't know how often or how often this might have happened or how long this took place. But eventually the goal on the inside of humanity changed. They went from being driven to walk with God to being driven to have doubts about how they were created into the point that to the point that they would if they just ate of this particular fruit in the garden, that they would be like God. So what happens? They were being driven. To this fruit, they were being driven to this This aspect or this desire to be like God, all of a sudden something shifted in on the inside of them, something shifted in them to where they weren't driven to to in relentlessly pursue after this other thing they were pursuing after this other thing. And when they took part of this, it caused them now to be driven by something else, driven by shame, driven by fear, driven by guilt, driven by fear. See, when you're driven by the wrong things it will lead you into wrong places, into wrong destinations. Every one of us are driven by something. What are you relentlessly pursuing? What is your goal? What what are you relentlessly compelled by the need to accomplish? But I'm so grateful that even in the midst of man's fall, even in the midst of when they were driven by something else, that would drive them away their, drive them away from their purpose of their destiny i 'm so grateful that God was still driven i 'm so grateful that God was still driven that, that that God still had a drive that God was still relentlessly compelled. To accomplish a goal. What was his goal? His goal was you and me. His goal was humanity. His, his goal was to, was to have a family that would fellowship with him. This morning, I want to talk to you about the gospel, maybe in a little different way than you may have heard it, heard it before, but this is the gospel that God was driven, compelled a goal to have a family, but yet man was driven to go in another direction. But God was driven. So much so that when, when he was in the garden and and man fell, he, he looked at the serpent and cursed him and, and said, and said that you will crawl on the, on the dust of your belly and you shall eat dust. And he said this to the serpent. He said, there's one coming there's see God was driven. He was relentless in his pursuit for humanity, relentless in his pursuit for humanity, and said so, and said so there's one coming and he is going to bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel god was relentless god was driven what is driven is being relentlessly compelled by the need to accomplish a goal god was relentless go to isaiah chapter 43 isaiah 43 Celebrating the resurrection to me today is about celebrating a God that was driven. That was relentlessly pursuing you and I. Pursuing humanity. Before I read Isaiah 43, I want, I want to read Exodus 6 to you. You can make, just make note of this. Exodus 6. I believe it's verse 5 through 7. It says, therefore, tell the Israelites... I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and deliver you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. What are we hearing here? We are hearing a God that's driven after humanity. What is what, what's happening here? The children of Israel, God's people are bound. But yet God says it says this. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and a mighty acts of judgment. And I will take you as my people. I will be your God then you will know that I am the Lord, your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I want you to know that God is driven today. God is driven. If you don't know God, I want you to know that he is running after you today, that he is relentlessly pursuing you today. Why? Because his goal has always been the same. It is to have a family and it is to have a personal relationship with you. When God's, God's people had turned their backs on him, and put themselves in bondage to the Egyptians in the midst of that. God said, I will redeem you. Hallelujah. Look at Isaiah 43, verse 1. And I'm gonna read this in the Amplify Classic. It says, But now, in the spite of past judgments for Israel's sins, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Listen to that. Don't fear why I've redeemed you. Don't fear today. Why? Because God's redeemed you. I've ransomed you by paying a price instead of leaving you captives. Wow. I love that. I have redeemed you. I've ransomed you by paying a price instead of leaving you captives. I have called you by your name. You are mine. God's relentlessly pursuing you today. He's driven Verse two says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. Now, if you're overwhelmed today, I want you to know that God's with you today. Why? Because he's driven. He's just just as driven today as he ever was. Relentlessly compelled for the need to accomplish a goal. Thank you, Father. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned or scorched. Nor will the flame kindle upon you. Why? For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt to the Babylonians for your ransom. Ethiopia and Seban, Seba, a province of Ethiopian. In exchange, what? For your release. Because you are precious in my sight. And honored. And because I love you. Man, just, just think about that for a moment. This is God speaking to you and I. This is after the, 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 them being in bondage to the, to the Egyptians. Now he's talking about being in bondage to again. And he's saying, I'm going to redeem you. If you're overwhelmed, I'm going I'm I'm to I'm cause you to be victorious. And he says, why? Because you're precious in my sight. And why? Because I love you. Why would he go through all this trouble, so to speak? Because he's driven. He's relentlessly pursuing. Why? Because he desires to accomplish a goal. And what's that goal today? It's you and I. Because you're precious in his sight. And because he loves you. I can't help but think how. My life intersected with an opportunity 27 years ago, not because I deserved it, not because I earned it, not because I cleaned myself up to a certain place, not because I was better than someone or or anything like that. I I also just received this understanding that he loves me. He loves me. You're precious in his sight today and he loves you today. And we know these these scriptures through the word, you know, John, chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world, he did nothing. Now, you know that for God so loved the world, he was driven. He was compelled I Meaning, think about this. God has so much loved you that he's holding his most priceless prize possession on the inside of him, holding it with his hands. And he says, I love them so much. I'm driven. I'm compelled by necessity. Why? Because there's a goal I've got to accomplish. I've got to accomplish this. I can't be separated from my creation. I can't be separated from from from, from my, my family. I can't be separated from them. This is thousands of years later, 6,000 years later. And God is still saying, I've got to be with my creation. I've got to be with my family. Look at them. They're broken. Look at them. They're lost. Look at them. They're sick. They're in poverty. They're diseased. They're, they're, they're under a curse. And I never wanted them to live under a curse. But there they are. And they're cursed. God is saying, I love them so much. I gave my only begotten son. He was driven so much. He gave his only begotten son. So what? So that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And I love verse 17. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But the world through him. Thank you, Father, that he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That the world through him might have eternal life. Why? Because he's driven. When I think about his love for us. And I think about that. I, I, I think of uh, Galatians four, verse four. He said, in the fullness of time. What's he talking about? He's, he, he's saying, you know what I said in, in Genesis chapter three, verse 14, 15, and 16. When I said there's one coming in Galatians four, that's he says in the fullness of time. I mean, what I said 6,000 years ago in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son born under the woman, born, born of a woman, born under the curse that, that those that are under the curse might be free to redeem them that were under the curse. Why? Why did God do that? Why? Because he loves you and he sent Jesus. But not only to God, not only is God driven. Not only did he send Jesus, but I want you to know that just as much as God had to be, Jesus had to be driven. I think sometimes we have this idea that it was easy for Jesus to do what he did. Let's go to, let's go to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. It wasn't easy for Jesus to do what he did. Why? Because he became a man. And he laid down all his rightful deity. And was going to have to experience separation from his father. He was going to have to, now get this, experience. Get this, the sin and sickness of all humanity. Think about the weight of that. That's why it wasn't, Jesus had to be driven. Jesus had to be relentlessly compelled for a need to accomplish a goal. I believe if Jesus wasn't driven, he would have given in in the temptations in the garden. I believe if Jesus wasn't driven, I believe he would have given in to that temptation in the garden of Gethsemane when he sweated those great drops of blood. Jesus had to be driven. Let's, let's look at this in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 1. It says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. And it came to pass as they, as they were much perplexed thereabout behold, two men stood by in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, why he, why do you, the live, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee. Why do you seek for the living among the dead? And it says, remember what he said to you. What did Jesus say to them? Verse 7, the son of man must, 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 must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and He must be crucified and he must rise again on the third day. You see, Jesus was driven. What did he tell the disciples? I must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. I must see must speaks of. I have to do this must speaks of necessity must speaks of being compelled Must speaks of being relentless. I must be placed into the hands of sinful men. I must be crucified, and what I must rise from again on the third day. Jesus, just as much as God, was driven. In John chapter 9, I believe it's verse 4, he says, I must work. The works of him that sent me while it is still day. See, this this is a sense of urgency on the inside of the heart of Jesus. This is this is urgency speaking. This is this is I've got to press through this. I have to do this. I believe that's why even he talked to Peter the way he did. And he told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because that was a temptation to him. That was I've got to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because I have to be crucified and I have to rise again. I must work the works of him that sent me while it's still day. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, he says this. He he talks to his parents as a young child and he said, Didn't you know where I'd be? Didn't didn't you know where I'd be that I'd be in my father's house and about my father's business? I'm telling you, there's there was a a a drive on the inside of Jesus. And every temptation that Jesus faced was to cause him to be driven in another direction. But yet he said, I must do this. I must accomplish this. Go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that he is driven. That he is driven for each one of us today. John chapter 6. Verse 38. This is Jesus speaking. For I came down. For I came down from heaven. Not to do. Mine own will. But the will of him that sent me. I didn't come to do my own will. But what did I do? I came to do. The will. Of the one who sent me. Meaning. Meaning my will doesn't matter. I'm driven to do his will. I'm driven to accomplish his goal. I didn't come down to fulfill what I wanted to fill is what Jesus is saying. I came down to fulfill his will. Jesus was driven. Verse 40 says, and this is the will of him that sent me that everyone that seeth the Son and believes on Him may have everlasting life and I will raise Him up at the last day. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Just want you to see some of these scriptures today. Because Jesus had to be driven. If not, He would have been driven in another direction. He had to be driven to fulfill the will of His Father. In Hebrews chapter 10, Verse 7 in the amplified it says this. Then I said, Behold, here I am, coming to do your will, O God, to fulfill what is written of me in the volume of the book. What was Jesus? What did Jesus declare? He was declaring Psalms 40. He was declaring a messianic psalm. He was declaring, why am I here? I'm here to do your will. Behold, I am here coming to do your will. Oh God, what was Jesus here for? He was here and driven to fulfill the will of God. And what was the will of God? You and me, you and I, that was the will of the father. And Jesus came, Jesus came down to accomplish and fulfill that will. And what's that will? It's you and I. Why? Because you're precious. And why? Because he loves you. Go to to Galatians chapter one. Mm, Thank you, Father. Galatians one. Thank you, Father. Galatians one, verse four. In the King James, it says, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Wow. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Wow. According to the will of God and our Father. We could read the scripture like this. Thank you, Father. Because of the will of God, Jesus gave himself for our sins that he would deliver us from this present evil world. Wow. Jesus was driven to accomplish God's will. What was his will? That you will be delivered from this present evil world. What's evil? Sickness is evil. What's evil? Disease is evil. What's evil, poverty and lack. What's evil, anger, bondage, oppression. What's evil, addiction. What's evil, anything that's pulling you away from God's plan and purpose for your life. And it was Jesus was driven. I love that it says, who gave, he gave himself. You see, it wasn't just God gave, all of a sudden had to shift to, Jesus said, he gave himself. See, it's one thing when God says, I'm going to give my only son, but it's another thing for that son to say, I'm going to give myself for them to do what? To deliver them from this evil world, this present evil world. Just lift your hands right where you are. Oh, Father, I thank you that you were driven. You were driven for us. You were compelled for us. You know, I think of that, I think of, I th- think of the, the scripture in Hebrews 12. We talk about where it says, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It says, for the joy that was set before him. For the, now get this, for the joy that was set before him. See, he had this goal out in front of him. He had this, this picture, this image out, on the, out in front of him for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy? The joy wasn't dying. The joy wasn't going to hell. The joy wasn't stripes in his back. The joy was, the joy was you and I for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Not just that, but it said he despised the shame. What does that mean? See, that was think of everyone's looking at him. Everyone's accusing him. He's taking on the, the the oppression of the whole world. Think of just the shame that you might have felt when you messed up or when you did wrong. He took on the shame of the whole world. What is that shame? What is that shame? That shame is the feeling that God has separated himself from you. And Jesus said he had to despise the shame. Why? Because he knew the outcome. Why? Because he was driven. He was driven. He was driven. I mean, if we just look at Jesus' life, he was driven to be in God's house as a young child. He was driven to find out who he was in the Word. He was driven to be baptized by John the Baptist. He was driven into the wilderness. He was driven by the Holy Spirit out to step into his purpose and his call. He was driven to destroy the works of the enemy. He was driven to go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because he knew that God was with him. He was driven to seek and save that which was lost. He was driven. He said, I must go through Samaria. Uh, He was driven to go through Samaria to set a woman free so she could go back and set a whole town free. He was driven to 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 tell his disciples, go find a a donkey tied. Go get him. He was driven to get on that donkey and ride into Jerusalem. He was driven to go into into God's house. Why? Because it said the zeal of my father's house has eaten me up. He was driven into that house to chase out all the money changers. He was driven into the garden of gethsemane. He was driven to sweat sweat great drape, drape, great drape, drape, drape drops of blood. He was he was driven to say say lord just you know nevertheless not my will but your will be done. He was driven he was driven to lay lay his life down in the garden. He was he was driven to to surrender his life. He was driven To let people, to he, he he was driven to let someone betray him. He was driven to be accused wrongly. I, I get I had this picture in one of the scriptures when it talks about when Jesus you know, was, was, was taken captive. And Paul was theirs before he heard the, the cock crow. And, and it said, and Peter seeing Jesus and Jesus looking at Peter. And, and I can just see this the whole time that Jesus was going through these things. What was the joy set before him? He was looking at you. Just think when, when, when he ha- was having his beard plucked out, he was looking at you. When they put a crown of thorns in his head, he was, he was driven. Why? Cause he was looking at you. When they laid stripe after stripe and stripe after stripe upon his back, he was driven. Why? Because he was looking at you. They make fun of him and put a robe on him and and do all those things and make a display of him openly. And and everyone's saying, crucify, crucify him, crucify him. All the while he's driven. Why? Because he's looking at you. Thank you, Father. Why is holding the cross, going to the place he's going to die and, 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 and just, and, and, losing all strength. And, and he's doing that. He's all the while. I believe he's, he's, he's struggling to, to make it through the streets with that cross on his shoulder. I, I believe he's driven wild. Cause he's why? Cause he's looking at you. So much so that he couldn't even bear the cross anymore. And they had to get someone else to bear the cross all the way to Golgotha. And I, I believe as, as every swing of the, of the hammer that hit every, every, every nail into his wrist and into, the, into his feet, that every swing of that axe, I believe he was looking at you. He was driven because he's looking at you. And I, and I believe as he's up on the cross and, and they pierce his side, I believe he's looking at you. And as he looked at his father and, he, and he's saying, why have you forsaken me? I believe all the while. He's looking at you. Why? Because what did he say? Forgive them for they know not what they do. Why? Because he was looking at them. When he said it, it is finished, I believe the last thing he saw was our faces. But I'm so grateful that God's driven So grateful that Jesus is driven. Jesus was driven. He went to the lower parts of the earth. There he was driven. He was driven in the lower parts of the earth. He was forsaken. He was he took on the weight and sin of all of us. He was driven. Even in that place, he he preached the gospel. The epistle said that he led captivity captive. Uh, And I'm so grateful that God was driven because in that moment when he was in the, in the lower parts of the earth, it said the glory of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickened our mortal bodies, the same spirit. uh, uh, Romans six says that Jesus was raised by the glory of God, that when the spirit of God went into the lower parts of the earth and there started to be a rumble and there started to be the shake. What was it? God was driven. Why? Because he had to raise his son up so he could raise you and I up. Why? Because God and his son were were d- driven so much so that when jesus arose he told them, don't handle me don't touch me i haven't yet ascended to the father why because jesus was driven and he went into the mercy seat the holy of holies and he purchased all humanity Thank you, Jesus. Driven. He's relentlessly compelled by necessity to accomplish a goal. Let me ask you a question today. What's driving you? What's driving you? Are you on autopilot today? Or are you living for a greater purpose? What are you, what's driving you today? Everything begins at the cross. What's driving you today? It was all for you, it was all for me. What's driving you? What are you relentlessly pursuing today? Are you pursuing things that are of meaningless value? Or are you pursuing something of eternal value? I believe we're stepping into the greatest days the church has ever seen, but also know that Jesus is coming soon. Let me ask you, what's driving you? Are you being driven by self? Are you being driven by a greater purpose? You know, when I got born again 27 years ago, it was about 20 years, a little over 20 years ago that I moved to Texas, and my first year after I was here in Texas, I went to, I had the opportunity to go to Israel, and one day we were in Israel, and we were at the Valley of Elah, and we had just finished there, and there were some people who had gone into some shops that were right there. And I remember when uh, I was sitting on the bus and just waiting for people to get back on the bus. And, and I was about to, we were about to leave to the next place. And I'm sitting there and the Holy Spirit says them to me, he says, Justin, I want, you to, I want you to go into that store there. I'm like, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't want, want to buy anything. I don't. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go into that store right there. I'm like, why do you want me to go into that store right there? I, mean, I just kind of brush it off for a moment. And he got louder. He goes, go into that store right there. And so I get out and so I go into the store and and it's a jewelry store. And I go and I walk around the store and all of a sudden I get in front of this one case and and it's nothing but rings in that case. And and I'm looking down and I'm looking, OK, OK, what do you want me to do? And and this as as plain as that, I could see it like it was almost like this big in front of me. And it was this ring. And, and, and Lord was like, I want you to I want you to buy that ring. I asked, the, I asked the person behind the counter, how much is this ring? And they said, it was $25. Okay, bought a $25 ring. But as I'm looking at it and I go to purchase it, I get back on the bus. And the Lord says, I want you to take it out. And I want you to look at it. And he, uh, and he's, and he, and he took me back to just the story of David and Goliath. And he said that David had a purpose to change his world around him. And the ring I purchased was this ring for 20 some years ago. It's nothing special. It's just made it special to me, but is in the natural it's not something valuable It's $25. But yet what it is, it's two reeds of silver that are beaten together, beaten and hammered together and bound to make a ring. It's not even things. It doesn't even have a perfect seal on the back. But he told me this, he goes, Justin, wear this ring and realize that you have always have a greater purpose, that your purpose is greater than you. And as you wear this ring, realize that you're no longer to live for yourself, but you're to live for others. You're no longer called to live for yourself, but you're called to live and proclaim my name. So yes, we can look at we we're so great when we look at the Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, that we're victorious. But also see that not only was God driven and Jesus driven, but you and I, we have to be driven. Why? Because there's a hurting world out there. No greater time than now to be driven by His love, driven by the Word, driven to the Holy Spirit, driven by the Holy Spirit. driven in places and and places of destiny and purpose to change our community and change our world. So I've worn this ring for 20 years realizing that God's saying, you can't do this without me. And I want you to know, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you'll have an opportunity in a moment. Maybe you've been born again for 20 years. I want you to realize you have a greater purpose. What's driving you? Thank you, Father. As I pray, I'm gonna have Pastor Rick come. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for the word that was sown. And right now, we open our hearts for what the Holy Spirit desires to do right now. In our midst. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.